I, 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 you know, I sometimes just feel like melt, a meltdown every time I come to uh, this church because uh, I have very, very fond memories of this place. Of course, not this place, but the other places. Um, I remember the, 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 the time that uh, Bishop Oscar told us that we needed to plant Lovington, uh, Nairobi Chapel, Lovington. We, it was in December. And you know, in his usual way, he called us up to, you know, to the stage and launched us. And then the instruction was, next Sunday, don't come back to church. Go and find the place where you're going to meet and, you know, do church. So we, we looked at each other, took each other's numbers, and said, ah, what are we going to do? So on a Monday or on a Tuesday, we went to Jeffrey's. And so people were busy walking, you know, the, you know, the, the keep fit people. And uh, we were just seated there. Wondering, so until Andrew, I think it, it's it's uh, Andy. He got some courage and said, "Let's stand up and pray, guys." He said, "Oh, prayer! Oh, yeah, still in the in the thing." So that is how <laughs> we got up, and uh, I think we we're going the opposite direction of the people we were walking. You know, as we tried to pray, because there was a lot of confusion. And anyway, long story short, first we did uh, a meeting. We said, "Let's do an envisioning meeting." So we went to one of the lodges here. I've forgotten the name, and people came. What was it? Rosa, Ro Rosa Mystica, it was. And then they said, ah, the people asked and said, oh, so we've started church. When are, where are we meeting next Sunday? And so, you know, it said, okay, give us your numbers, uh, and then we'll communicate to you on Wednesday. So, so, so then from Monday to Wednesday, you had to look for a new place. And then you, you then communicated via SMS. And these human beings multiply. You know, they bring their friends and relatives. And though we go, I think, the Catholic place down the Riverside Drive. And then we said, OK, it's still an envisioning meeting. You know, We're just trying to tell you that we're planting a church in this place. And we are not yet there where we can plant the church. Uh, after the service, they're asking again, where are we meeting next Sunday? Because we need to come. So said, okay, give us your numbers, and then next week we'll see what happens. So Monday again, we're looking for a place. Then we go to this other place behind uh, Junction. I, I forget what they call the, you know, but it's, I think, the Catholic place. Again, we go there, and, and eventually we go to that, on Mudangari Road, there's that uh, children, children's place, uh, it's, I think, in kindergarten. Uh, and then we have... A breakthrough now we have Mudangari and we can pitch our tents on that nice ground and then be able to have church. So uh, I think sometimes how God works is a bit different from what we think we must do when it comes to doing God's work. Yeah. And 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 sometimes it can be very confusing, as we might uh, remember uh, or read in this portion of scripture. But I'm happy to be home. Somebody was trying to convince me because I arrived on Wednesday at 04 a.m. And uh, so the traffic was good. We were home by, I think, in 45 minutes after, after all the procedures at the airport. And then somebody yesterday was trying to convince me that this is my second home. At Kenya is your second home. I said to them, what do you mean Kenya is my second home? He says, yeah, because, you know, Zambia is your first home and then Kenya is your second home. I said, yeah, Mr. Kenny. Kenya is my first home, and then Zambia, my second. I'm a missionary from Kenya to Zambia. 
So I'm a missionary from Kenya to Zambia. So Kenya is my first home. And then Zambia, please don't make a mistake of telling me, oh, Kenya is your second home. Kenya is not my second home. Kenya is my first home. Amen. So where did we end? So, so I jump on a matatu from the office, and uh, I have to be taken to the airport. And um, I'm confused. I don't even know how to hug people and tell them, Kwaheri or bye. Is that what? The, is it Kwaheri bye? Yeah. So, so eventually, they are waving at me. The, 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 you know, Caro is, is leading the pack, and she's, Pasi, Pasi, hugs. I said, like, I'm seated there like a zombie, and I have to be taken to the airport, and uh, it's a night flight. I land at home at 1.30 a.m. to a thundering welcome of three human beings. <laughs> I have left my people in Kenya in droves. I mean, that gate was open. We, I, I told the guy, the, uh, uh, the, the guy at the gate, I just told him, leave this thing open. Because anytime people are coming in and going out, because this is my, you know, can't. So then I go back to the mission field, and the three people are waiting for me. So anyway, I'm a very courageous man. Of course, I balance my tears. And then um, that same day, I, I think winked a couple of times. At 10 in the morning, I am on the road looking for venue to plant a church, you know? So the first place I thought about was, um, was um, the cinema. But what I didn't know was that the cinema had relocated from where it was originally and gone to another place. So I go to where it was originally, and I find a different cinema, and I find the guy there was very hostile. He just like, uh-uh, you can't have church here. We don't do churches and cinemas. People come here to watch movies on Sunday. It's a weekend. They want to watch movies on Sunday, so we can't allow you to, to have church here. So I, okay, it's okay. It's okay. Then I looked for the name now that I was there, and then they were in a, in a different mall. I went there, I asked them. Then they tell me, uh, you know, this is a South African company. The bosses are in South Africa, but write a letter to us who will send it to South Africa, and then they'll make a decision. So anyway, uh, I write the letter. I didn't even have a letterhead. Uh, it was on a plain paper, signed it, gave it to them. They said they sent it to South Africa. And then I started going back. This is August. August, September, October, November, December. The guys are not responding. And I'm wondering, what is going on? But I kept going back. Until one day, I had a fantastic idea from the Lord. I think it was the Lord. I said to that manager in that office, I said to her, can you make me an appointment with your boss in Johannesburg? Uh, just tell me the date and the time. I'm going to find my way there. I'm going to sit down with him and talk to him. And then we resolve the issue there and then in Johannesburg. So she's like, uh, sir, it's okay. Uh, you don't have to go to Johannesburg. I'll make this thing happen. It's like, oh, so that was the password. So anyway, <laughs> she made that thing happen. 1st of February, 2020, we had our first service in that cinema. Now, before the cinema... I am mourning my wife in, in, in Riverside. And then I receive an invitation to go and see a friend of mine. He says, no, 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 you have cried a lot, so you need to come and you know, visit me. I'm going to buy you an air ticket so you, you show up. So I said, thank you. Uh, so I find my way to Westlands, get a visa, and then jump on that flight and go. When I got there, 
whatever it was I got. Um, there was an American pastor, an elderly man, an American pastor, who wanted to go and see the place where his soldiers were attacked. A small town called Omaha, I think south of Paris. So we go to Omaha, and we get there, and there are all these American flags. There's these my shops where they sell all these things that you must remember. That war, you know, that Hitler hammered the Americans. I think a 1,000 of them died because they were coming out of the ships, and the guys, the Nazis just came out of the water and shot at them. And, but eventually, of course, Nazi fell, and uh, the, the alliance, you know, triumphed. So we are at this place of pain, this place where many people lost their lives, and uh, then I receive a phone call. The phone call is coming from Motherland, my mission field. And there, uh, a gentleman on the, other, on the other side of the line tells me, oh, I'm Bishop so-and-so, I have a place where you can meet for church, uh, but I want to send it to you because I want to close the church and go back to America. I mean, these guys, they were my neighbors about 20-some years ago. And uh, so they went to America and settled there. This is now 20 years or 24 years later. They, they are trying to come back. You know, Then they have that reverse cultural shock. Suddenly, there's a lot of dust in Zambia. And it's giving them sinus. Suddenly, they can't eat peanuts. They're having allergies. Oh, crazy, you know rush and so on so they just figure mm -mm, this is not working two years later they decide the kids decide dad and mom we just want to go and see our friends in <laughs> in dallas and then uh, we will be back after a couple of weeks so they so he buys them the tickets they jump on a flight and go they get there they look for a house for rent and begin to rent oh three in one house Month later, they call their mom, mom, you know, you've been very sickly there. You, can, you should come and see a doctor here. So, <laughs> so she jumps also on a plane and goes, next, uh, there's a conference call. Dad, we need to talk to you. And mother is not saying anything. She's just in the corner. It's the kids that are talking. You know, it's their show. No, there's a lot of dust in Zambia. We cannot live there. Mother has been very sickly. The past one month that she's been here, she's not getting any, you know, any of those symptoms and sicknesses. So she's very well, you know. So you need to come back. So he is overpowered. Four against one. So he says to them, okay, let me finish a few projects. Let me sell this property. And then let me go back. Then I'll come back. So okay, okay, you find us. So that is now in the aftermath of that conference call. That is when this man is calling me. Now, there are so many pastors in Zambia who have, you know, who meet in classrooms, who meet in hotels, who meet in all sorts of venues which are not theirs. But this man decides to call me after 24 years of not being in contact with him. Must have been the Spirit of God. So anyway, that first day, after looking for the mall, uh, the venue in the mall, I went and met him. So we went to the venue. He showed me they, they had built um, what they were using as church. And then they had put some steel structures. Um, it's like a steel frame. And it can have about, it can, it can, it can uh, I think, occupy about 1,000 people. You know, so they said, okay, so this we're still working on. But now we meet in this small place. And uh, so... But I told you on the phone that I was going to sell, but I'm not selling. Apparently, when he had told the church that he was 
you know, going to disband the church and then uh, sell the building, the property, the understanding of the people in the church was that this man was going to sell the building and the church members. So it's like this Lavi church, we look for a buyer, and then we sell all you guys. Then you, continue, you have a new pastor, and then we go away with the money, you know, and then you, you have new, new management. <laughs> so when that went into social media and everywhere, of course, you know how you know, people react. So he decided, no, he wasn't going to sell, but just give us a long list of five years. Then after five years, he was then going to come back to us and sell it to us at that particular time for the current a value, property value of the five years after, you know. So we said, okay, uh, not a problem because we didn't, we didn't even have the money anyway. So renting was, you know, going to be better, a better option. So then we begin to rent. Now, first March, before I left, I announced to you guys, or at least the ones who were here, that on first March 2020, we're going to launch TCZ Zambia. So that is the timeline we're working with. At least the launch must happen on the 1st. And for sure, on the 1st of March, a number of you guys came, and we had a very wonderful launch, 1st March. April comes, there is COVID. And the world has gone into a panic. Every place is closed. In Kenya, people are being whipped because of curfew. <laughs> You know? So everybody's confused. And it's been like that. So the entire two years of our TCZ experience, we've basically, I've been calling my church a COVID baby, you know? Because it's during the COVID pandemic that the church was sort of launched and it has continued to live and to exist. At some point, my prayer really was, eh, if only we can survive this pandemic and come out on the other side. Because truth be told, many, many churches back home, especially the ones that were meeting in classrooms and in other spaces, have closed. They've never opened. Because the government just decided this is an opportunity for us to kick out all the churches from our schools. They just said, you can't come back and give our children corona. There is no church that you're going to meet in this school. So all those thousands of churches across the country that met in schools cannot meet in schools. And because of that, they can't you know, they can't operate. And so many of those just closed. But for us, God was gracious. He gave us an, uh, a place where we could meet and continue to meet and to enjoy the goodness of God and to celebrate his love and his mercy over our lives. Fast forward, September, I receive a WhatsApp message from the bishop in Dallas. And the message says, I have been receiving a lot of requests to sell that building to these human beings that are sending me these messages. Can you imagine? We are there worshiping God, and people are sending messages to the bishop. And they want the place. Anyway, the bishop is gracious enough. He sends me some of those forwarded messages. People are saying, oh, we have the money in the bank. Just say the price. It, the money will be wired to you tomorrow. And then we look at our coffers. Well, we are experiencing our seven years of leanness. <laughs> Remember, ours was reversed. It wasn't like Joseph's. Joseph, they started with seven years of fatness. And then seven years of leanness. As we start with seven years of leanness. 
So anyway, he comes, and so before he comes, we ask, uh, you know, I ask my team, can we find somebody who can just come and value this place and just tell us, don't worry, we're going to get into the word in the next one minute, I promise you. You can already start turning to Acts chapter 16. Yeah. We'll be in Acts chapter 16 today. You can already turn there. We'll start reading from verse 6 and we'll go up to verse 13. So we look for somebody to come and just value the place so they can be able to tell us how much they think the bishop, how much he thinks the bishop can sell it to us. So they come back and say it's $120,000. I don't know how much that translates into Kenya shilling. But for purposes of is of explaining to you, I'm just going to use dollars, okay? Uh, just, it's just uh, exchange, uh, whatever, but it's easy for me. So he says, this thing will cost you $120,000. So I said, okay, thank you very much. So the bishop comes back, he looks for his valuer, and they come and say, uh, you sell it to them at 113, so this is 7,000 less. So then the bishop shows us, he says, oh, it's 113. Now, remember us, we had 120, so we thought maybe it might even go higher. It has come down. So then we, uh, then Bishop says, so what do you think? He said, why, can you, why don't you make it 100 flat? So he said, oh, no problem. And how long are you going to take to pay? So he said, uh, of course, when somebody wants to sell something, they want to say, they've already told you, they've given you hints that somebody has got money in their account and they're able to wire it the following day. So they want the money now. So we tell him, okay, since we already have the grace of God, you know, here, and we've been praying, and we have prayed and anointed this whole space with anointing oil. It works sometimes. <laughs> so, 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 we said, can you give us a year to pay you? We'll be paying you 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, and then we'll finish. He says, no, you must pay me six months, and you must pay me 50, 25, 25, six months. Said, oh, okay. <laughs> That's Okay. So that is how now we began to look for money so we can be able to, you know, to purchase our property. So the first half must be given to the bishop on the 30th of April, then the next one, end of May, I think, then the end of June, then the last one, end of September, I think. So within six months, that's how it's been divided. And, and we're grateful to God that at least he has given us that uh, um, opportunity to purchase this. Now, this piece of land is seven kilometers from our CBD. It is as prime as they get for any church, okay? Of course, we can't compare with the ones that came in in 1906 and 1907 who are right in CBD. For us, it's good enough. And then right in that community, a lot of middle, middle class guys who, that's why we have been struggling because these guys can't come during COVID. We have to wait for COVID to end. That's when they'll begin to come in. About a kilometer down the road, um, there's a huge, huge uh, uh, barrack that is coming up with about 5,000 houses, units, 5,000 units. And uh, if, uh, you know, the, the, the Zambian soldiers are quite fruitful. Each one can just easily have five children, you know. So if we calculate 5,000 plus the two parents and the five children, uh, it's a few thousands. And if we can just rip even 10% of that population will be having two services of 2,000 people each, and that is coming. So in the next five years, we'll move from that small space, complete that big space, and that, of course, the second phase of our, of our building project. But why am I taking this time to just give you details and details of this thing? A couple of reasons. 
Many times we underestimate prayer. But prayer is powerful. Prayer moves the hand that moves the world. So as often as you remember your baby brother or sister, churches as she's eh, in Zambia, please, please, please pray for us. Pray that God will come through for us. Pray that God will sustain us. Pray that God will provide for us. Pray that God will protect for us. Pray for this pastor that God will continue to hold me by his righteous right hand and pray and pray and pray. Please, 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 we ask and we covet your prayers. Pray for us all the time. Okay? That is the beautiful gift that you can ever give to us as a church. Because personally, I know that prayer works. Amen. Then the second thing, of course, Pastor Judy has already mentioned, if you feel the Lord is leading you in that direction, you can just, you know, uh, there's a Mpesa number on that little card. You know, you can uh, do something. And then there's a dollar account, then there's a Kwacha account. Don't use the Kwacha account. Use the dollar account. <laughs> because that's where the money is going. And we're dealing with the bishop in dollars. Okay? So just use the dollar account and then we'll be able to sort this man out. That will be our first phase to purchase the place. And then the second phase is now to begin to construct and finish the thing. Third, we can, ha we can accommodate the 2,000 members that are coming from the barracks. There will be so much order there. Because if you capture the general, all his corporals will be there. <laughs> Amen. So pray that we capture the general. Amen. So God bless you greatly. I am grateful once again, Pastor Judy, for having me here. I came not alone, but I came with my son-in-law. The Lord has blessed me and prospered me and increased me in Zambia. I went there too. We are now three. And uh, I know that God will continue to multiply us and bring us to a place where we can. Uh, I'm remaining with exactly 12 minutes. And let us do this. Have you already turned to Acts 16? Are you already on verse 6? You know, everybody has a custom. Me, my custom was always to find somebody who, who, was, who had Pastor Judy's ambition of being an, a news anchor to come and read the scripture for me. Who is my volunteer today? Who is my volunteer reading? Ah, Makena, come. Come, 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 fast. Remember, I only have 12 minutes. Grab the mic from, from Nate. This is my daughter, McKenna. Hi, McKenna. Hi. How have you done your studies? People will not believe that you're my daughter if you start arguing me. Verse 6 to 13. Now, when they had gone through Pyrgeria and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to come to Mysia. They tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to us. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samaris, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. 
And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women whom we met there. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Amen. Thank you so much. We bless the Lord for the reading of his word. Father in heaven, we thank you this morning. We give you praise, we give you glory, and we give you honor. Mighty God, as I share your word, I pray that you encourage us through this word and continue to speak to us in your own special way. We give you praise, we give you glory, and we give you honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So we are talking about replanted. We are talking about uh, forging forward. That was last Sunday. And I am sorry I didn't attend the sixth anniversary. I wish I was here. But I saw that there was going to be amazing things. I have seen many of my friends here, dear and near. I will not mention names because I will leave one and then to be an offense. I've seen all of you. I, I acknowledge you, and I'm happy that you guys are still in the faith. Amen. So today, I want to talk about aligning our lives with God's plan. Aligning our lives with God's plan. Aligning our lives with God's plan. Those of you who have vehicles, nice cars, you will agree with me that wheel alignment is important. If you don't align your wheels, either the insides of the tires or the outside of the tires begin to be worn out more than the other parts. Sometimes your steering wheel will start jerking after a certain speed. Sometimes it just becomes you know, shaking and uncomfortable because the, the wheels are not aligned. There are four wheels and there are that whole mechanics there that needs a lot of attention for you to be able to move. I remember one time I had the car and I needed to do a journey. And uh, this fundi tells me, can you quickly do your wheel alignment? I said, I'm in a hurry. I have no time for that. I need to get to the place where I need to go quickly. So I jump into that thing and begin to move it. When I get to... 80, 90, the thing is shaking and dancing like, you know, I don't know. And I'm wondering, what is going on? So when I pull up, I find some mechanic and he tells me, no, your wheels are not aligned. I said, how long does that take? He said, it only takes 30 minutes. Your wheels will be aligned and you'll be able to get to the place where you're going much, much faster and in a comfortable way without having any difficulties with your heart because you're wondering what is happening to your car. You see, 30 minutes would have cost me the car and the journey. But the fundi told me, just go do your wheel alignment. I refused. I said, no, I need to go. And yet, I just needed to spend. But my stopping there, consulting and doing that, ended up making me waste more time. And sometimes, that is exactly what happens in our Christian journey. We are asked to do something by the Lord. And we end up not doing it because we don't want to align ourselves with the will and with the purposes of God. And by the way, the alignment which we get from God, sometimes it's pleasant and other times it is not pleasant. 
I myself, I have experienced a lot of pain. And I want to believe that all that pain was part of God aligning me so that I can be able to move in his direction and be able to fulfill his will over my life. And I remember when my wife you know, was involved in an accident and she passed on, I kept, I kept hearing the word, God will bring out beauty out of these ashes. There will be the beauty that will come out of these ashes. There will be beauty that will come out of these ashes. And I believed God and I believe that I am yet to see the beauty that will come out of these ashes. Because I believe that God is aligning my life for maximum impact and maximum purpose in this life before I check out. Amen. And that is my hope, and that's my desire, and that is exactly what I believe God will do. The story which we have read begins from chapter 15. Paul and his team, they go to Jerusalem to the elders to go and give a report of their first missionary journey, where they had gone, what they had done, and some of the theological questions you know, and they had encounters and the solutions and the debate of what must be the right course of action they must take. So now, as they do now, this is the second journey. Paul is not alone. He is with Luke, the writer of this book. He is also with a man called John Mark. He is also with Silas. And he then finds at Lystra a young man called Timothy, whose father was a Greek man and the mother was Jewish. And he, this boy had very good report. You remember, the mother was uh, um, a Christian, and so was the grandmother. One was Lois, the other one was Eunice. I don't know. Between the two of them, one is the grandmother, the other one is the grand, the mother. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Eunice and Lois. <laughs> Which one was the grandmother? <laughs> anyway, between the two, one was the grandmother, one, the other one was the mother. And so now they begin this second missionary journey and they get to a place and then as they try to move, as McKenna read, they went to the region of Phrygia and Galatia and they were prevented by the Holy Spirit from speaking the message where? In Asia. So the door of ministering the gospel in Asia is closed. And who has closed this door? The Holy Spirit. Who is supposed to be the one who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and power to do the witnessing? The Holy Spirit. And what is the Holy Spirit doing? He is now preventing these guys from preaching the gospel. Where? In Asia. So I think they figured out, okay. Then they came to Asia. They tried to go to Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus, now it has become the spirit of the incarnated Jesus. The spirit of Jesus prevents them from going there. He did not allow them. So by passing Mysia, they came to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision. And in this vision, he sees this man from Macedonia. And he's telling him, please come and preach the gospel here. So when Paul sees that vision, he shares the vision with his friends. And then they decide, yes, the Lord is leading us to where? To Macedonia. The Lord is not leading us to Asia. He's not leading us to Middle East. He's actually leading us to Europe. And so they all go and they get into Europe. And so they are going around. And do you know who they find? They find women doing a Bible study by the river. Women doing a Bible study by the river. So they join this Bible study. 
because they are new in the area, and so they're talking to these women, and they discover one of the women was a business lady, and she was the leader of that, that, that Bible study. And so in talking to her, she invites them to do what? To baptize them, because now they had no person to baptize them, but they were, you know, in the faith. So Paul and his friends, they baptize these women, and then they are invited to go to their home. And from their home, other doors are opened because she was a very influential business lady in that community. She was able to open doors for Paul, and the difference was made in their lives. We thank God for powerful women. And in every church I've gone to so far, women are always in the majority. Why? Because they are powerful at opening doors for the gospel. God will always find a woman that he uses to make a difference in the community and in our world. I remember when President Obama came here, he was sort of telling the politicians in a subtle way, if you have a team of 11 players, six of them are women and five of them are men, and now because you need to play this football, what do you do? Do you play all the 11 players or you just play the five players? If you just play the five players, you're about to lose because the other team will have 11 players and they'll run you down. So it's important that we recognize the value and the contribution that women put in this work of God. This church is led by a woman and she has done it so powerfully over the years. This is the sixth year and she's been at the helm of it. We all experience our own and different problems and different career paths and everything. But the overall thing is God's work is still going ahead. People are still being saved. People are still being changed. And people are still being transformed. Hallelujah. We listen, we follow, and we do. Because that is God's will over our lives. Lydia was the woman that God used to make a difference in these guys' ministry. And the difference was huge. Europe was taken with the gospel. And from Europe, the gospel went back to Asia. It went to the Americas. It came down to Africa and went everywhere. That's why we tend to think that the gospel is actually from the white man. Because they became so effective in, pro, you know, in, in uh, spreading the gospel that many of us have been able to experience it. What do we learn from this portion of scripture? Number one, there will always be a call for service. And our service is simple. I remember somebody said, we must preach the gospel if necessary, use words. <laughs> we must preach the gospel if necessary, use words. I don't know where that revelation came from, but it became the downside of the propagation of the gospel. Listen. Preaching the gospel must be, the gospel must be proclaimed. You need to use words first before people can even see you demonstrate that gospel. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I know many of us have been living like Christians, but you know what? That doesn't mean anything. Because even other people are as good as you in terms of your lifestyle. But it's only when you open your mouth and begin to tell the people about the love of Jesus that they begin to change and their hearts begin to be transformed. Because the message of the cross must be kerusud. It must be proclaimed. It must be spoken. It must be released with your tongue so that the person can be able to hear it. 
And that is the commission that God has given to each and every one of us. The gospel is simple. It is God creating the world and then man falling into sin, which we call the curse. And then after that, God sending his son Jesus to bring redemption. And then with redemption comes restoration. He restores your money. He restores your health. He restores your relationships. He restores your environment. He restores your life. He restores everything about you. The will and the desire of God for your life and for my life is that everything may be restored. And because we are called for service, we must follow, we must submit, we must allow God to send us where he wants us to go. My favorite, my all-time favorite song has always been, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart, I will agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. That is submission. The Bible says we are all called to go out and proclaim this gospel. But the only way we can evangelize, the only way we can bring people to Christ is if we are submissive to God's will and to God's intended purposes for humanity. And that is to bring them closer to himself, that they may be able to experience his father heart. And he wants to do that using your heart, using your mouth, using your hands, using your feet, using your eyes, using your body. So we must say yes to him. We must submit ourselves to him so that he can be able to work through us. Be willing to sacrifice your life for the sake of the gospel. The proclamation of the gospel has never been easy. Many times you'll be rejected. As somebody said in marketing, you must be prepared to be to be said no to seven times before you can get one yes. I think the gospel is not even the same. Maybe you must be prepared to be said no to 14 times as you preach the gospel before you can receive your first yes. The idea is not to give up. The idea is to continue in submission to God and in doing go what God has required of us to do. But how do we do that? We need to have a basis. And the basis is gospel of Christ himself. These people had a vision, and God still speaks to us in visions, and sometimes in words, and sometimes in ideas, and sometimes through other people. But God still speaks. Even the other churches that say God has stopped speaking, he stopped speaking with the last apostle, John. Remember, he was old, in exile, and he was the last of the original apostles, and he's about to die. And I'm sure they were ready with pen and paper. Say, what are the last words that God is going to speak to us? What are the last words? That's why Revelation has become the last book in the Bible. Because a man penned it down. Let me, let me tell you something. God has continued to speak even today. For Paul, he saw a vision of the man in Macedonia. And the vision was this man saying to them, come. And that was the basis of their mission. And when they went there, they didn't find the man. They found the women. Even you and I, there are certain things that bother us. And it is those things that God uses to burden us with the gospel so we can be able to share it with those people. What is it that you feel bad about when you're moving around in the mall, at your workspace, in the market, in your community, within your family? What is it? What is the burden that God has given you? That is what God wants to use 
for you to be able to speak to the people so that they can also come to the saving knowledge of the truth. Today, God is still giving visions. I remember one time I was preaching in Maputo. An interpreter. I looked at the congregation and immediately, immediately, I was reminded by the Spirit of God the vision I saw a few years earlier. You know, I was sleeping and I saw a vision. I was preaching to this congregation and all those people there, I didn't know them, but I was preaching and the power of God moved so powerfully and touched their lives and I was so excited as I was preaching. When I was talking to those people in Mozambique, I remembered that vision. I remembered the people, the way they were seated and what was happening in that space. And then I said, oh, so God does speak through visions. And he does speak through dreams. And he does speak through the things that makes us, make us uncomfortable and burden our hearts. So what we need to do is just pay attention to how we are feeling in our hearts. If the Spirit of God says no in this direction, don't falter. Don't feel discouraged. Just continue seeking his face. Eventually, he'll show you where you must go. It was Mother Teresa who said to somebody who wanted to go and work where she was working. Mother Teresa, I want to join you and also have something here close to you here in Calcutta. Mother Teresa looked at the person and said to them, find your own Calcutta. Find your own Calcutta. This, my Calcutta, is what God has burdened me with and it's the one I'm going to work with. You find your own place where God has put a burden for you. So, the idea, again, is to understand the needs around us and see which ones God wants us to be able to tackle. And we are all different. The same way our faces are different and so are the burdens that we have for humanity. They are different. So he charged them. He told his friends, guys, the call is to Macedonia. There we must share the gospel. And they went to Macedonia. And there they shared Jesus. And baptized people. And before long, the gospel had spread around Europe. And Europe was sending the gospel to the rest of of the world. Suddenly, the first missionary to go to India is Jim Carrey from Scotland. Maybe not. Maybe it was Matthew, the one they had crucified with an X cross years before. But because of the impact that the gospel had in Europe, it as though history was rewritten. Now we're able to look at even missions with new lenses, which were now coming out of Europe. So there, here are questions which I want to ask you, and I'm going to close. Uh, very simple questions. First question, Paul and his friends. How was God's plan different from their plan? See, they kept knocking at wrong doors, and God himself kept closing those doors until one day he opened the door which they needed to go to. How are our plans as human beings sometimes different from God's plan? 
The second question that I have for you is, what did Paul want God to do? And what did God want to do with Paul? So sometimes it is us who become starings, and it is us who must tell God what we have planned, what we want to do. And yet, it is God. God is the owner of this game. He is the one who knows where we need to go, who needs what, who has what need, and who needs to be changed where. And so we must realign our lives in such a way that we move in the direction that God is moving us to. It may not be the other person's direction. It may be your own direction, but don't be afraid to move in the opposite direction as long as you are being led and guided by God. What was Paul's response? And what did you do in the end? He went to Macedonia. What is your response? And what will you do in the end when the Lord speaks to you and shows you the direction that you must go? My prayer for you is that you begin to align your life to God's plan for your life. And when he speaks to you and shows you the direction that you must go, you must sing that song that I just sang to you in your heart. I will say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. When your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I will agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Let us rise up and pray. Father in heaven, we give you praise. We give you glory, we give you honor. You are God above, and here below, it is us, your children. Your will and your desire for our lives is to lift us up and bring us to a place where we can align our lives with your will and with your purposes. Maybe COVID was a way of steering us into the right direction to fulfill your will and your purposes. Maybe the losses that which we've encountered, painful as they may, maybe they were meant to align us and move us in the next direction so that we can continue to fulfill your will and your ways. We don't know. But maybe that was it. So Lord, our prayer to you this morning is we will say yes, Lord, yes. Through the pain, through the joys, through the confusion, through the, 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 the different seasons of life, we will continue to say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. When your spirit speaks to us, our answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Amen. Thank you so much, Reverend Sulanji. I like the three questions you've been asked at the end, and I pray that you'll find time to think through those questions. Life moves very fast, and sometimes we don't have time to process, and perhaps that one question will unlock something huge in your life. Let's share in the words of grace. Reverend Sulanji will be here. Uh, feel free to come and say hi to him and uh, catch up with him. God bless you, and have a lovely week. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.